So welcome to the Ex-Religious Support Network. Our aim here is to provide a safe space for people who have left or are thinking of leaving their religion. To find us on Meetup, simply search for Ex-Religious Support Network. My name's Les Allen and I'm the group facilitator. This is the first session in a series of Q&A sessions in which we explore what it's like to think and walk in someone else's shoes. You've given up on your mission of pleasing the divine being and saving others. So what do you believe now? How do you live? And what do you care about? Out there, there is a smorgasbord of worldviews and stances to choose from. Our special guest today is Leo Bruin. Leo describes himself as a rationalist. He's enjoyed over 30 years as an academic at Monash University here in Melbourne, Australia and felt privileged to teach mathematics to undergraduates while also enjoying an active research program, mostly in developing computational methods for general relativity. Leo has been a member of the Rationalist Society of Australia for many years and has served as vice president of the society. I'd like you all to please welcome Leo. So to get started, Leo, let me ask you three initial questions. And then we'll open it up to uh, Q&A from our audience. Um, so, Leo, can you briefly say what you take rationalism to be? What is rationalism? I'm sure a lot of people have never heard the term. Well, yeah, I'll answer that in just a moment, but I'll just simply say thank you, uh, Les, for giving me this opportunity to share my views with um, interesting group of people here. So to come to the question, yes, uh, what do I consider rationalists to be? Well, a friend of mine asked me earlier on today, and I gave a, a rather simple answer at the time, which simply said that uh, for me, a, a rationalist is a person who conducts their life in a manner which is um, consistent with uh, good logic, um, uh, following evidence, um, using data appropriately, uh, as, as opposed to taking positions from a, a given text of some kind, you know, a, a doctrinal uh, approach to understanding life. But um, as, as Les also mentioned, I've been uh, involved with the Rationalist Society of Australia for a number of years, and they have a very nice description of what rationalism is. And if you would mind, I'll, I'll just, uh, just read through this. They, they put forward that uh, rationalism is posited on uh, three central pillars. Each pillar covers uh, the following areas, naturalism, humanism, and rationality. Now, the way they've worded it is as follows. And as I say, I think it's very nice um, a description of rationalism. So, naturalism. The natural world is the only world there is, and the key questions of human existence are to be found only in that natural world. Humanism. As humans, we are responsible for our own lives, must take responsibility for being good and doing good. Rationality. The best way for humans to improve their lives is through use of the scientific method, the systematic observation of the natural world, and the use of human capacity to reason. I think those three um, uh, pillars really do make a lot of sense to me, and it does sort of quite eloquently express rationalism. No, thanks, Leo. And um, our, our um, attendees here tonight one, might want to pick up on one or one, two, or three of those themes that you mentioned. Um, now, the second question I have, Leo, is how did you hear about rationalism, and how did you get involved in the movement? Yeah. Um, oh, look, I've been in the, uh, the movement. Uh, that is, I've been a member of the Rational Society of Australia for probably six, seven or eight years. And uh, just one day I was reading through the newspaper and there was an article there about um, Meredith Doig. Now, Meredith is the, the president uh, then and now 
of the Rational Society of Australia. And at the time she was actually standing for federal election and, uh, as a Senate candidate. And so it went on to describe uh, that she was the president of the society. And then it, uh, I looked, I thought, oh, this seems rather interesting. So I hopped onto their website and had a look. And uh, yes, they, they, it, it spoke to me. Uh, it, it was clearly a group of people who wanted to see the world in logical, sensible ways. And I thought, I, I'd like to meet these people. And so I did, I, I joined that society. And uh, the particular entry point into that um, community was uh, through a thing they were running at the time called a think tank, which is much like what we're doing here tonight. But this, this time around, it was, it was held at a, at a local pub. It's where I met Les for the first time. So there's seven or eight years we've known each other. And uh, the, the, uh, the format of that was simply, again, a question and answer session uh, where we would uh, collectively debate the various rights and wrongs or ways forward on some topical issue associated with Australia. And we do this, again, trying to emphasise things to do with reason, logic, evidence and so on. Uh, so that's how I came to be in this rational society and, and uh, how I came to follow uh, rationalism. Oh, thanks, Leo. Uh, look, the last question I've got for you is um, what attracts you to the rationalist way of life? And I'm thinking, how's, how is living the life of a rationalist even different from leading the life of a Buddhist or a Christian or something else? I suppose it's the way we find um, the uh, principles by which we, we guide ourselves in our, in our life. Uh, for a rationalist, we're, we're looking for, as I've seen to be now mentioning many times, evidence, reason and logic. And they're the kind of principles we want to uh, uh, fall back upon when trying to face some issue in our lives, uh, rather than, say, for a Buddhist or, a, or someone else of religious um, bent, they might well face that same issue by referring to their religious text and finding an answer that way. That's never worked for me. I've uh, always seen the world in some sort of um, structured way. And that's just not a surprise I became a mathematician uh, because I like to see things following through in a very systematic way where I can start at a point with a collection of, of, of uh, fundamental principles and follow through from those principles to a logical conclusion. Uh, that, that really works very, very well within mathematics. The rules are absolutely explicit and you can't make a mistake. A lot of people do, but you know, you can always go back and find a mistake. Whereas uh, coming to an understanding of the world from a religious perspective, it seems to me you just have to accept things at face value or well, with faith. Uh, and that, that uh, I've never felt comfortable with just simply taking something uh, as, a, as an article of faith. Um, because who, who decided that particular article is correct? How do you know that it's right or wrong? Um, and I want to be able to ask that question when things are given to me, is it right, is it wrong? And on what basis can I make that decision? I find rationalism gives me uh, a set of tools that allows me to come to some meaningful answer on those questions. Oh, thanks, um, Leo. I think that's a really good introduction to um, rationalism and your way of life. Um, now, I'll open the, the floor up to questions. If you'd like to put your hand up, George, you have a question. As a rationalist, what is your view on the Holocaust, on how to judge something like a murder, right or wrong, and the question of community, um, sense, of, sense of feeling about community, a sense of community well-being, um, questions of poverty, um, you know, as a rationalist, how, 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 how does rationalism help us understand, again, phenomenon like the Holocaust or questions of morality, 
you know, why people judge rape wrong or yeah, murder yeah. wrong. We're getting a sense of community. Sorry, just to be clear on what I'm saying. Go ahead, please. Forgive me. Yeah, well, that's a, it's, it's a tough question. First of all, I'll say that I definitely agree that Holocaust existed. So let's, let's, let's clear that one up straight away. Um, but does rationalism have an answer to um, society falling apart where it leads to things such as Holocaust? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, it's, rationalism is, is, is a personal thing that people follow and there are good and bad in all people. Now, whether you happen to ascribe to rationalism, you can still be bad. Uh, it, and whether you ascribe to being a religious person, you can still be good or bad. I don't think any of these things actually determine that a Holocaust is going to occur again because we are or are not following rationalist ways of, of, of conducting ourselves. Ultimately, it all comes down to the individual, doesn't it? We have to be answerable to ourselves. I and mean, this, is, this is one distinction I make between a religious and, and a, a rationalist is that a religious person would find themselves answerable to a God of some kind whereas a rationalist has to be answerable to themselves and to say to themselves, am I doing the right thing by other people? Now, um, you can look inside the mindset of the, the Nazi Germany that led to the Holocaust and wonder, how did they get to that place? And I don't think it's necessarily a failure of religion or, 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 um, or religious driven. I think it was, the, well, there are any number of reasons to explain how the Holocaust came about. And I don't think rationalism is one that could actually fix that problem. Great. Okay. Next is uh, Nianbo. Your question to Leo. Hi, Leo. You know, basically, I've recently been hearing about, let's say, you know, about science is that, you know, is that, you know, increase, let's say scientists like Sean Carroll have recently begin to kind of reject, you know, the, you know, the notion that, you know, something needs to be falsifiable in order to be called scientific. And I don't quite understand it. You know, I'm still trying to process that. Can you explain it to me? Um, probably not, <laughs> but I'll try. Um, look, Sean Carroll is, is, a, is in general relativity, so it's a classical area of physics. Um, it's the same area that I've worked in. Um, the idea of uh, falsifying uh, uh, theories in science is fundamental to the progress of science. So if I yeah. put forward a theory which says, look, I know how the Earth formed, uh, or I know uh, how a plane flies, I have to uh, provide uh, solid evidence for those claims. And with that evidence, other people can come along and say, let's pick through that evidence and, and try to falsify what I've said. They might conduct another experiment that would um, show that my uh, predictions that I'm making about this plane flying or not would be right or wrong. Um, you know, some of the things might be the flat earth people. They like to tell us that the earth is flat. Um, is that a falsifiable theory? Well, quite easily falsifiable theory. Just hop up and have a look from down below, from up yeah. above. And it has been falsified. And I would also like to add one thing I've also recognised about falsifiability is that a theory that's unfalsifiable is also by extension unverifiable because, you know, if, it, if a theory is unfalsifiable, then, it, then if it is true, then we should expect to see the same outcome as if it were false, which means, or if a different, you know, let's say theory were true, which means you can't tell whether which one is, tr whether the theory is true or false. It's not a useful theory then, is it? Yeah. The theory has to distinguish between possible outcomes and um, yeah. uh, possible outcomes would indicate it's, it's, it's truth or falseness. So a theory that yeah. can't be falsified really is not within the, the normal realms of science. So the next one on the list is Marianne. You have a question for Leo. Yes, Leo. Um, as a rationalist, do you believe that emotions have any role to play in your day-to-day decision-making? 
Oh yeah, certainly. Um, you can't dis discount the the human, the very human element of emotions. Uh, you don't want to it to, to dominate your decision making. Um, yes, we can be passionate about uh, taking care of animals, and so we'd want a logical process by which we can ensure that we can look after animals and and, and, and children. So yes, the the emotions might come in to drive us along a lines of thinking, but ultimately our decisions should really be based upon some reasons and logic. Um, decisions based purely upon emotion alone, generally, well, they wouldn't be consistent across the community, would they? Some people would be happy for one thing, other people would be sad for it. And so it's not a real way of conducting a, a public discourse to base decisions upon um, emotions. But as a driver, yes, I think it's not a bad place to start. Steve, your next cab off the rank, your question for Leo. Thank you very much. And thank you, Leo, for sharing your perspective with us. It's uh, been very interesting so far. Um, I just wanted to ask a question. Uh, you, you mentioned that the rationalist society has three pillars, if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, if my memory serves me correct, it was, it was uh, being rational or reasoning, reason, uh, humanism. And the third one was uh, naturalism. Correct. Um, the, the, this, I'm really very much in favour of uh, reason, and I'm just wondering why a rationalist society would prescribe those last two pillars, given that they are, over history, been highly debatable philosophical positions which can be argued about. So if I was to join the rationalist society, for example, I'd be very happy to stop at, at, at number one and, and may have issues with number two or three. I'm not saying I would, but why, why would a rationalist society have those other two pillows and presume that they are, you know, true or whatever you want to call it? Okay, interesting point. Um, I'll just go back because I think the numbering scheme you gave there was different. I read out first naturalism, humanism, and then rationality. So yes, the two, correct, yes. Two, the two you would knock out in that three, what it would be? I don't want to knock them out, sorry, mate. I, well, I, naturalism, naturalism and humanism are philosophical positions that you may or may not arrive at using reason. So I'm just wondering why the rationalist society would want to go beyond reason in prescribing pillars. Why not? What, what, I'm just wondering what the reason is for that. When I, My expectation if I was to come along and join the rationalist society is that I'd be subscribing to reason, but everything else would be up to me to judge. Why? I'm just wondering why they've chosen to identify those first two pillars. Well, let, let me let me um, ask the question. If you're going to use reason, you're going to be applying reason to something. And so you presumably would be applying it to the world at large. And so it's not too hard then to see that this paragraph on naturalism, the natural world is the only world that there is, and key questions human existence are to be found only in that natural world. That would be a reasonable follow-up from saying, I'm going to approach my understanding of the world in a rational way. So I think it's, it does capture the idea that we are trying to understand how the world works, how people work, without necessarily falling back to articles of faith from a religion. So I think the three of them together do capture different aspects of a rationalist approach to uh, understanding people, humanity, and, and the world at large, and the universe at okay. large. Yeah, thanks. We've got Paul and then Marianne. Oh, hello. Um... I was thinking also about your your three dimensions, um, and I was wondering about how then other similar uh, groups how they would fit in there. So, for example, um, 
would, would humanists also be uh, naturalists and, and rational? And I suspect the answer is yes. So how would we differ differentiate rationalists from humanists? And then uh, related to that, then just to, if you like, just extend that sort of idea of a domain then is that where, where would religious fit into that in the sense that religions too could be could have some of those dimensions, but their belief would perhaps not be based on evidence. And um, but I, I felt it might be an interesting idea to build that uh, that that matrix so that one could differentiate between one form and another, so that we could see the emphasis. Well, uh, yeah, it's often discussed the the distinctions between, say, our society, the Rational Society of Australia, and Humanist Victoria. What is it we are different? Uh, probably Les can add to this conversation. Uh, the rationalists are more, I think, to do with uh, things that involve strictly evidence and logic, whereas I think the humanists, and correct me if I'm wrong, Les, is more to do with the human element of um, ourselves and how we interact with each other, morality, philosophy, and so on. Whereas we seem to be more, it, it's a spectrum of existence, more towards a, a sort of a scientific approach of, of, of doing things. We're all rowing in the same direction. We may be using different tools. We may be, uh, uh, you know, we like to debate the various pluses and minuses of our approaches, but uh, collectively we're trying to improve the lot of ourselves and the world at large. Where, can a, relig a religious person be a rationalist? Yes. One of the things that we often say in the rational side of Australia is we do not exclude religious people. We do not deny the existence of a God. We simply say, here is an alternative way of seeing the world and how you can conduct yourself within those principles. So we, we are not atheists. Um, we understand the atheist perspective, but we don't actually say God does not exist and you shall not believe in a religion. We just offer an alternative and saying, consider these, this as, a, as an alternative way of living your life. Um, people have the right to choose. This is fundamental in, in all of the free thought societies that people have a right to choose their preferred model for conducting themselves as a human being. So that not being atheist, it seems to be a, a quite an essential ingredient. Well, I think we, we accommodate atheists in the picture as well. We're trying to be very a, a very broad church here, and I mean church in the sense of fellowship, in that we, we don't want to exclude people simply because we object to their particular points of view. I suppose there might be some exceptions when people are clearly just simply nonsensical and illogical. We wouldn't want that in our crowd. So, yeah, I might expand that before and say, yes, um, we will welcome an atheist, but we won't actually say we agree with their, their view. Thanks. Okay, Danny, you have a question. I was just wondering what your underlying account is for our ability to reason. What I mean by that is that you've got very two very different strains within, say, Western philosophy about how reason functions. On the one hand, as early as Plato, you've got the allegory of the charioteer who signifies the intellect and reason, although the allegory is a little bit confused in that the charioteer is also pulling on a chariot that has two winged horses, one of them being reason and one of them being the irrational passion. And the charioteer is guiding that chariot with those flying horses. And yet you've got also Hume who argued that reason is the slave of passion, which is quite different from what Plato 
thought how reason operated for human beings. And um, that's not to say that Hume says that reason is irrelevant, but he does seem to suggest that reason itself is insufficient for us to come to certain conclusions or even to act. For him, reason is driven by various emotions. And that's what makes, I think, seem to be a very good argument for how people typically function. So very often people talk about being rational when I think they're trying to advance an argument based on what they've already decided upon their feelings. Now, I just wonder, how would you judge between these two accounts? Sorry for asking such a long-winded question, but there it is. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah, um, very interesting question. Uh, I'm not sure I can answer it in any uh, definitive way, that's for certain. Um, I should mention that my uh, um, educational background is, is as, a, as, well, as you know, is in mathematics, so it's not in classical philosophy. So I, I can't really speak directly to the accounts of Plato and uh, I think it was Hume you mentioned. You, you, you're right. People often will say, I'm presenting a rational argument and yet they've already made their decisions. But a, a rational argument should be exposed to the point where anyone who's hearing that argument could pull apart the various pieces that constitute that argument and should be able to look at each stage of the, uh, the, the, the argument that's being developed and, and say, well, look, I think at this point here, this is a very dubious assumption you've made here. Does it, does it follow? And I, I say this in the sense that uh, this is how we conduct ourselves as mathematicians. We have a, a generally in a mathematical theory, we have a collection of axioms, which is the sort of the articles of faith of that particular investigation. And from those axioms then follows um, uh, clearly correct statements. These are proofs of theorems. And at each stage, you can actually validate it or, or invalidate it by referring back to the axioms. Um, so coming to rationality as a, as a way of doing things, um, I think if you can convince the person, no, not, not convince, convince sort of suggests that you know you're hoodwinking someone possibly, but if you present your argument to another party and you say, these are the basis of my argument, um, here is what I've concluded from that, if the person can follow that sequence of arguments and say, well, yes, I think at each stage you've followed your original principles, uh, I think you have demonstrated a, a reason. Well, I, I'm not sure I've answered your question, but because um, it's, it's an interesting question. John, you have a question for Leo. Do you see yeah. a comparison between the your rationalist three and uh, what can be applied to religion? That's my question. I'm not sure how to answer that. Uh, I, I suppose at the bottom of the bottom of the day, whatever sort of philosophy you adopt in life, be it one that's based on a religious text or whether it's on humanism or whether it's on rationality or whatever it is, it's a, a philosophy which should, in some sense, improve society, provide society with a uh, an understanding of how to make decisions, decisions that work well for everybody, decisions that progress society forward. So science has been very successful in providing us with things like vaccines, uh, with technology such as you know cars and radios and computers and the videos we're working with today. So these 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 particular strands um, work well. Uh, so the utility of any philosophy should be in measured by how well does it improve our existence and help us shape our future. And I think rationalism is, is, is one of these things that can help us move forward. So I want to ask Leo 
So what is the Rationalist Society doing in the social sphere? I, I guess they're working on some particular social or political projects to make uh, life better for citizens and even world yeah. citizens. So what kinds of things are Rationalists and the Rationalist Society interested in improving? Well, um, I, can, I can tell you some of the campaigns we're currently engaged in. Uh, there's two campaigns that come to mind. One is the, um, the chaplaincy program in, that exists in many of the states in Australia, where um, chaplains uh, go into government schools to uh, basically present a religious view to the, to the schools. It's how the ch children are getting their um, religious education. There's a, the Rational Society feels that um, the person who goes in there and delivers that material should not necessarily be a person um, approved by the church. Well, not, okay, they can be approved by the church, but not a person, a, a practicing religious individual. Chaplaincy is about helping individuals with the issues in their life. And that does not pre require you to be a, a person of faith. Whereas the, uh, most of the instances of chaplaincy around Australia uh, the providers of those chaplains do require that the individuals must be a faith, which is against uh, federal anti-discrimination laws at the moment. So we're, we're trying to argue against that and trying to open the, the, um, the spectrum up to allow people of faith and people not of faith to be appointed as chaplains in schools. That's one of our programs. Uh, the other one is the um, ongoing push by certain elements within the federal parties to beef up the protections for, for people of faith. So the, the uh, Religious Freedom Act that is currently under debate. We feel this is really not necessary. The current um, provisions provided by the various anti-discrimination laws in Australia already protect religion and people of faith uh, adequately. And any further uh, tightening of this will actually be more providing religious privilege rather than religious protection. So they're, they're, they're two of the elements that we've been pursuing actively at the moment. Uh, these things change with time. So as, as various social issues crop up, the society will take uh, a position on it and decide if it's something we should commit to. A uh, third one we're doing at the moment is preparing some um, uh, material for secondary school students that uh, explain, and this is a joint program between ourselves and Humanist Victoria, preparing some um, materials for teachers to present to, to school kids, I, I think ages uh, or school age between years nine and 10, uh, exploring, uh, exposing them to humanism and rationalism. So they get a, a different worldview from a, what they might otherwise get. Uh, and currently in the Victorian school system, such material does not exist. So the, the students are not being uh, exposed to this, this very important way of seeing the world. We think we're providing something of, of substance here. It's not actually up and running yet, but um, we're still developing materials and hoping to make a, that available very soon. Oh, thanks, Leo. Uh, Besho, you have a question for Leo. Uh, yes. Uh, hi, Leo. How are you? So the point is, um, yeah, I, I like actually the project uh, starting with the students to know more about rationalism and humanism because um, this was related to my question, which is, uh, I believe, as a philosophy of rationalism or humanism, it's very hard to sell it to, let's say, re religious people because I know that many religious people or religions already conflicting with the main purpose or the main idea of humanism and rationalism in their subject. So he will tell you, okay, I, uh, my, my religion is the, the, the most religion in the world that care about human. I don't need any other philosophy. 
you, you got my point. So how, what, what is the right idea to sell this to people without saying that you have to leave your religion? Well, I don't think um, as a rationalist, um, we should dictate terms to other people and saying this is how you should think. What we should be doing and what we hope we're doing is presenting them uh, with a philosophy uh, worldview that uh, says, look, do you not agree this seems a, a reasonable way to conduct yourself? Do you not agree that this actually works and this will help people? So if you do, then we're very welcome to, to have a chat about it. If, if you choose not, well, that is your prerogative and you may well continue to follow a particular faith of some kind. Um, all we can do is make available the resources that hopefully will give people tools to make, make good decisions for themselves and, and others. So I'm wondering, Leo, about your own upbringing. Were your parents religious at all? Um, yes and no. Uh, so mum and dad, um, they, their mum was Irish and dad was English. And they usual thing, mum therefore is Catholic and dad therefore was uh, Church of England. But dad was actually a couldn't care less kind of person. He, he was much more the scientist and that is where I got my interest in science from. So mum and dad married and came to Australia and we set up shop in Australia and so I was born in Melbourne, but um, I was with my mum being a good Catholic wanted to send me off to a, a, a Catholic schools. And my dad said, no way, we are, we are not indoctrinating our kids in, into a Catholic church. So we went to a state school system, but to get a balance, um, uh, Dad conceded that we should be exposed to some form of religion so that we could see what it is. I mean, it's, and it's only fair. You, you need to know what all of the various philosophies are, and then you, you as an individual make your choices. So I went off to Saturday school, and then uh, all the priests there told me about, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell, and the rest of it. It really wasn't very uh, engaging for me. But Dad said, well, to balance that, you're going to go to Sunday school as well. So I went off to Sunday school and all we ever did there was sing songs and play plays and do panto. So I thought if ever I was going to follow religion, it'd have to be Church of England. These are happy people, whereas the, um, the Catholics told me as a seven-year-old I was a sinner. Um, and I didn't understand what that kind of sin they were talking about until some years later. So it, to me, it, I was actually uh, felt I was being pushed away from following a faith by the actions of the Catholic Church in these Saturday school classes. Whereas my father... Um, as I say, he really didn't care too much about religion at all, but wanted to make sure we weren't indoctrinated. But, but he also, separately, um, he was very much interested in the scientific method. He would work with electronics and he would build things where he put radios together and other bits and pieces. And for me, this is the, my first exposure. I'm, I'm saying this is when I was about seven, um, exposure about the scientific approach. He was a circuit diagram that showed you if you put these resistors, capacitors and transistors together in this particular order and then attach the battery, it springs to life and it works. That demonstrative approach of science uh, really had an immediate impact on me. Whereas when I was told by the priest that um, you know, uh, God had his only son die on a cross to forgive me for my sins, that just didn't hit me in any meaningful way. I, I thought, well, this is a bit of a sad story. This person's died to try and save me. Well, that's my job to save me, not somebody else's. And so I felt a little bit sad for, for Jesus to, to have done this and also found it rather an illogical um, argument that you would kill someone off so that uh, my life is better. I, I, I don't, I've never understood it. So, yes, I, had, I struggled with trying to understand the concepts within the Catholic faith whereas I found it trivially easy to follow the process of 
of, well, in this, in this instance, electronics, which then led me down a road of science. So that's, that's where my life uh, took, a, took, a, took a, a detour. I'm wondering what you say to those people. You know, I meet Buddhists, I meet Hindus, I meet Christians, I meet Muslims who say, yes, my religion works. I used to be an alcoholic or I used to be a wife beater and then I adopted Allah or I adopted Krishna and look, my life has been transformed. It really works. Try it. Um, what do you say to those people? Well, I'd, I'd say, well done, if you've improved your life, and I'm not trying to be condescending with them or patronising when I say that. I mean, ultimately, if people have, um, uh, by their actions, improved themselves and improved their uh, relationships with other people around, then we have to be uh, pleased for that. If they found that by way of uh, faith, well, all, when all said and done, they are now better off and society is better off for that. So I'm not going to sway them back and say, no, you're sorry, you've taken the wrong path. Come across to my path. My path is better. It's arrogant of me to actually say that because I have a particular way of doing things that you must do as well. In fact, that brings you back to what I think churches do. They, 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 they do this to people. You say, you will follow what I say. You have no right to question or challenge or make your own decisions. And that I don't like. I want people to make their own decisions uh, and ultimately to the benefit of, of themselves and society. So the rationalist society is big on freedom, personal freedom, liberty? Yes, very much so. We do not want to dictate terms to people. We offer them this, this philosophy which says, we believe this is a very good way of, of being a good person on this planet and we'd like you to consider it. Okay, Mark has a question. Do you feel that your life might be lacking something if it's lived purely rationally and from an intellectual and scientific method perspective? No, no, I don't. No, I'm, I feel fulfilled as an individual in that I have a, an understanding of my finite existence. Um, I acknowledge quite freely that uh, science and, uh, and rationalism do not provide the answers to everything, that there are bigger questions that are outside of uh, some of the things we can actually ask. Um, and I don't get frightened by that. And I don't sort of withdraw back and say, well, the only way I can answer that is to in invoke a, a God to, or, or turn to a religious text. I'm more than happy to say, there are questions to be answered and the game is afoot. Science loves a question because it, it gives us uh, space to move and progress and then develop our understanding of, of ideas and, and the universe. Marianne, you have a question. Leo, where do rationalists draw their values from? Uh, it, they, these are always personal things. You, you need to find from within yourself your values and your morals. You should not necessarily take them as, as a God-given. Well, at least, at least this is my personal philosophy. I need to answer to myself for everything that I say and do to other people. So my values and morals are formed by what I uh, feel is the right way to be as a person on this planet and the reactions of people around me. And if, if I inadvertently say something that hurts people, I expect and hope that they will correct me on that and I'll learn from that lesson. So my my, my sense of uh, values, my sense of moral, morality is formed by what I think is right and by, by the consequences that come from that when I interact with people. I hope I'm improving as time goes by, by this introspection. If I could add to my question, there's a, an assumption there that you are caring for the other people around you. Is that necessarily true for all rationalists? Well, I think it should be. I think as we live in a community, we, we, we have to be responsible for our actions and, and that has consequences with, uh, for other people. So to, to conduct ourselves in a way which does not address the consequences of our actions on other people, 
would be wrong and, and unfair. And you, 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 need, you need to say, I, the world does not exist just for me. I am one part of a larger community and collectively we work together for the betterment of everybody. So I, can't, I have to take into account other people all the time. Niambo, you have a question for Leo. How do you define, you know, the difference between what's natural and what's supernatural? Like, what makes something natural and what makes something supernatural? Okay, well, natural you can observe. Natural you can hold in your hand. It's there. It's, it's tangible. Whereas supernatural is beyond that. It is everything that is not natural. I have a question for Leo. Thinking about naturalism and, and reasons for belief, what, what do you say to those people who say, I had a vision of the Virgin Mary in my dream last night and she told me to marry John. What do you think of people who claim these personal revelations and then guide their lives by that? Well, without saying this to them, I, I feel very sad for them thinking that they can actually uh, shape their life on these just what are just basically dreams and, and hopes. But if they ask me to actually say something, I don't know what I'd say. I wouldn't want to stop them. I, I'm not so so uh, dogmatic that I'm going to put, put my view upon them. They have to find their own answers to their own problems, whatever that might be. Um, I might suggest, if I was in that position now, I probably would be um, waiting a few days to make a decision before I actually rush off to the altar with John. So I, I, I can't. I have no right to say to them, you are wrong. That does not happen. Do not do it. No. I, I, I just wish this didn't happen. It still does. You're right. People will, people will um, have a revelation and, and go off and, and shape their life on that basis. I just hope it works out when they do that. I just can't see that it will. I wouldn't have the confidence that they have to go off on that basis. So when did the Rationalist Society start in Australia, Leo? I think it's around about 1905, 1905. in Melbourne. It's been around a long time. Mm. It might be older than that. I'm not sure. A comment. The actual Rationalist Society, I think, was um, 1921 or 1923. Ah, okay. Thank you. What yeah. was earlier was the, the secularist, uh, the, might have been the National Secular right. Society. Well, that brings to a close today's Ask Me Any Questions session. Thank you, everyone, for your insightful questions for Leo. And thank you, Leo, for being so giving of your time today. I think we've all learned a lot more about what rationalism is and what it's like to live the life of a rationalist. You can download a recording of today's ex-religious support network session from the Rational Realm website. You can also download the other sessions in this series. Just go to rationalrealm.com and in the top menu bar, click on Philosophy, Resources. I look forward to seeing you at our next Ask Me Any Question session.